0: everybody to this podcast has autism I hope you enjoy the show hello my name's Marcy I'm here with my husband Bran today we're going to talk about the impact of autism on siblings there is an impact of behavior on a brother or sister with an autism spectrum disorder on typically developing siblings across the life cycle the siblings mental development and emotional development influence how they perceive and interpret the behavior of the child with autism Similarly, the intellectual ability, behavior, and degree of social access of the child with ASD impacts the relationship between the two children, as does the response of parents to the needs of all the children in the family. These challenges continue into adulthood, with the typically developing brother or sister often feeling an ongoing sense of responsibility for the welfare of the sibling with ASD. The majority of siblings of children with ASDs function well as children, adolescents, and
1: adults. There can be a positive or negative effect on siblings of a person with ASD. We have two sons, one with autism one without. The neurotypical child has to be patient and more forgiving with his autistic brother. He finds himself being more flexible with his brother since our autistic son is very rigid in his thinking. Autism is a challenge for anyone. A sibling of an ASD child is no exception. Siblings may feel a sense of protectedness over their ASD sibling throughout their life. We hope that our neurotypical child feels that way towards his ASD brother. And with that now with the interview.
0: Hello, today we have John Henderson with us. He is the author of the book called Sway: The Link Between Autism and Influence. John, why don't you introduce yourself?
2: Well, thank you. First off, I really appreciate you uh, having me on. I really have grown to, to enjoy your show now that I've found out about it. And uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. And so, really, uh, you don't need to know much about me other than I, I set out to write a book based on influence. And every time I turned around, I bumped into autism. and despite being a novice at autism this research has really opened my eyes into a few things number one just how influential people with autism have been on the society that we live in and just how how wrong we get people with autism in our our society today you know ancient civilizations like um, Ivan the Terrible who was a hideous person had counselors they were on the spectrum ancient druids aztecs incas they would look at people with autism and see something special not special in the sense of the term that we use today but they actually regarded people with autism in high authority where we consider them disabled and obviously it's a spectrum and there are certain aspects to autism that are difficult, but there are a lot of people on the spectrum, high-functioning autism and Asperger's, that I wouldn't say are disabled in any way other than socially. And that's kind of a new development. And if if we really think we're the best and most advanced society ever, we need to approach people with autism differently than we do today.
0: Yes, I agree with that. Um, What made you decide to write a book about autism?
2: Well, like I said, I I really set out to write a book on influence. I have been in my adult life <laughs> homeless and as a high school dropout, and I learned the hard way uh, the power and the, the just the what all is involved in influence. And because of the because of what I know about influence, I've been able to recover from that very nicely. I own a a very successful business and I've written a few books and I thought, you know, this information that I know about influence would be valuable to everybody else. (laughs) Saying it now sounds pretty arrogant, but as I began to really dig in and research influence, I found autism around every corner. And so, I could not ignore that link that I found between You know just how much autism has shaped our society, but also uh, just how influential, naturally influential people with autism have been in history, and and biologically how influential they are. You know, when you get down to the molecular level, they have certain things about them that make them naturally more influential. They have certain traits that most influencers wish they had. And we tend to ignore them when it comes from someone with autism, but we respect it when it comes from a neurotypical. And so, I couldn't ignore what I found, and the the research really changed me.
0: Yeah. Um, why do you think autism needs to be looked at differently?
2: Well, there's there's a real moral dilemma here in that I don't believe that we are all I don't believe there is a normal you know there was there was a time where humankind said men are normal and women and kids are property and then we realized that was wrong and we said okay well that's not that's not right you know we can't handle that that now in the more recent history we said okay normal is white. And everybody that isn't that is not normal. And we've tried to change that and say, okay, that's not right. But today we still say normal is neurotypical and everybody outside of that is abnormal. And every time we try to make normal, we're wrong. You know, the the DSM-5 came out and they did a study and found that over 60 percent, over sixty percent of every person in the United States would be diagnosed with a quote unquote disorder if we diagnosed every person in America using the DSM. And if if more than half of a population <laughs> have something, I think that I think that's order. That's not disorder, you know? Right. And so I feel like it's important that we try to get this right.
0: Right, I agree with you. Uh, what important people that you know of had autism?
2: Oh, wow. Uh, so many, so many. I mean, we've all heard the Lewis Carroll, Hans Christian Andersen. Um, one of the, two, two of the people that I highlight in the book, um, Isaac Newton. Who, I mean, if it weren't for Isaac Newton, we wouldn't have physics as we know it today, and And chronologically, Albert Einstein as well. You know, they've both been post-mortemly – I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but they've both been diagnosed post-mortem with with autism or Asperger's because of some of the things that they – they went through some of the things they expressed. But, uh, you know, Alan Turing, I don't know if you've watched The Imitation Game, but it's the story of Alan Turing who invented – the computer in order to break the code of enigma during world war ii which is basically how how germany communicated and one of the reasons germany was winning the war was because nobody could break the code they were using Mm -hmm. to communicate and alan turing essentially single-handedly invented the computer just so that we could break the code of enigma and Hint, hence you know since then we've got it's turned into what it is today you know the internet and the social media I mean everything that we've got from the computer and it's very clear that alan Turing had autism and so we can't ignore the fact that our whole world has been shaped by people with autism and today rather than glean what we can from from people with autism rather than try to put our arms around them and, and befriend them, we stick them in special ed classes. You know, I, I I feel like we've just really gotten this wrong. And you can look back at history and see some of these people who were just amazing. Adam Smith wrote The Wealth of Nations, which is the, the playbook for capitalism, ethical capitalism. Atlantic Ocean to spend time with Adam Smith, who clearly had autism, but most neurotypicals won't walk across the room to say hi to somebody with autism today. So there's, a, there's just a slew of people from history who have been diagnosed, and, and even people today, Temple Grandin, obviously, Anita Lesko, these are people who are revolutionary, who have been diagnosed and are still alive today with autism.
0: What ties between autism and influence did you find?
2: You know, one of the neatest ties that I found was that the the chemical oxytocin. So, neurotypicals are really susceptible to oxytocin, which has gotten a lot of press and a lot of fanfare recently. They call it the cuddle hormone. No, I'm sorry, the cuddle molecule. And Oxytocin is what – it works with dopamine in our brain, and and it's what causes us to feel euphoric when we have a a positive social interaction. You know, if we are attracted to somebody and we get their phone number, we feel euphoric. If we tell a joke and everybody laughs, it it makes us happy. If we are speaking on stage and we bomb, uh, you know, and and nobody – understands what we're talking about, we feel bad. And a lot of that can be traced back through oxytocin. Neurotypicals process oxytocin in that manner. People with autism don't. Which means it's so much easier for people with autism not to be affected by the crowd they're speaking in front of. The person they're speaking to. They're able to speak honestly because oxytocin doesn't trigger the, the dopamine and serotonin baths in their brains that they do in a neurotypical's brain. So where we would have stage fright uh, often before we get up and talk to people, very frequently people with autism don't. You know, where we are worried if our joke is going to make people laugh, very frequently people with autism don't. And that's, that's just one chemical link that i found, but there, there's just a pile of other things
0: yeah that's very interesting um what is the overall message of your book
2: you know the overall message of my book is uh i want i i want to said i wanted people to understand the science behind influence when i set out to write it i wanted people to understand when they were being played Right? When people were trying to manipulate them, I wanted people to understand that there were a few things they could do if they had a, a good message in order to make that message spread. But that turned into the message that we need to understand people with autism naturally have this. People with autism are not uh, the very last sentence in my book says people with autism aren't a burden to society, they're the blessing of a different and sometimes better perspective. That's that's the message of the book, and it's wrapped in influence, it's wrapped in the science and the history of influence.
0: Wow, that's really great. Uh, what is one thing you'd like to tell people about autism?
2: That our job as stewards of, of a good culture, as stewards of a good society, is to step towards... And, and my book is based in autism, so to step towards people with autism, but but generally speaking, to step towards each other. You know, nice. we've gotten so good at labeling each other that we we exclude ourselves from people's lives. We say that person isn't the right Fill in the blank. You know the right profession, the right neighborhood, the right color, the right—they—they they don't. Their brain doesn't work the same way. They're—they're they're not from. They're not the right fan of the football team. You know we—we we have taught ourselves to label people, and I think as a steward of a of a good society, we need to step towards each other. My book happens to reference autism, which has been amazing for me, but. But I think the trick is to step towards each other and then learn that that person has autism. Then learn if that person is a fan of the other football team. Then learn, you know, what that person's background is. But to initially just step towards people, we'd be a lot better off. I think politically, (laughs) culturally, I, I think a lot of things would change if we were able to step towards each other first
0: without labeling each other. Right. Yeah, I I can agree with that. Um, Who or what inspires you to write?
2: You know, that's a good question. So, Seth Godin inspires me to write. Uh, He's very influential in my life. He challenges me. I listen to every listen or read everything that he has to say. And one of the things that he says is is to create things. And then go out in the world and say, here, I made this, right? Look, I made this, and let people who, who want it take it and let people who don't leave it alone. So he inspires me to get up and, and write often. Malcolm Gladwell inspires me to dig deeper. I would say if it weren't for the influence of, of books like David and Goliath and The Tipping Point and Outliers, I wouldn't have dug deep enough to find what I found about autism and so I'm super thankful that Seth Godin challenges me to actually create these books and I'm really grateful that Malcolm Gladwell challenges me to dig in and and, and don't make surface level art make art with little people
0: yeah um, have you written any other
2: books? I have. I've written quite a few. My my last book was called The Search. It's a fiction book that takes place uh, in the Superstition Mountains of Arizona, and it's based on the seven areas where I set goals in my life, kind of the, the wheel of life that Zig Ziglar used to talk about. But uh, honestly, of the five that I've written, this one is, I'm the most proud of it. I feel like you could take me out of this book, and the message is important. If uh, I, Here's here's the best way I can think to describe it. If a Malcolm Gladwell or a Seth Young came to me and said, I want this book, and I want to put my name on it, I, I would hand it over, because I think the conversation is so much more important than me.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, how long have you been a writer?
2: You know, I think every author—that's a hard question to answer. I started publishing, I started writing as a trade in 2013, and it's 2019 now, so that's six years. But uh, even even as a junior high kid, you know, I would I would make up funny poems or I would write little stories. I've got little books that I. You know little short stories that I've written from the time I was shoot twelve eleven twelve years old you know so I've always enjoyed writing it's a it's a great outlet for me and um, it's I guess i I guess it's something that was put into me you know a lot like autism I think we all come into this world with a with a different ability different perspective and um for me that Perspective that ability was writing, and, uh, and I love it.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, writing is must be one of your talents. Um, do you plan on <laughs> Do you plan on writing more books?
2: Oh yes, yes, ma'am. As long as there's a way for me to do it, I can't. My brain has too many ideas in it.
1: <laughs> I, can't,
2: I can't turn it off. So I've got to find a way to get those ideas out. So I. I will definitely be writing, in one form or another. I've written for, you know, bigger publications. I write on my blog. Personally, I I, I do quite a bit of writing, so it, it would be hard to stop me.
0: Good, good. Um, anything else you'd like to share with us before we close?
2: Just I love what you guys are doing. I love where your heart's at. I I I. I have to imagine that your listeners are like-minded and think that that we need to have a different perspective on people with autism and we need to understand that we're all in this together and they Mm -hmm. may you know people with autism may have a different skill set but so does our neighbor so does our president so does our uh, church leader we all have a different skill set our job is to put our arms around everybody and share what we can and And just care for each other.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great message. Thank you so much. We've really appreciated having, we've really appreciated having you on here.
2: Well, thank you guys. I love what you guys are doing and I'm honored to be a part of it. And so anything I can do to ever help spread your message, I absolutely will. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. And that's it for this episode. Until next time.